Hi, I'm Scott Fitzpatrick. Welcome to the GAF podcast. This podcast is for professionals who want to work in the advisory space. It's a series of conversations and essential frameworks to give better advice. It's the stuff they don't teach you at uni. It's where value sits. So buckle in, volume up, let's go. Welcome back to the GAF. In episode two, we have a very special guest in Brian Fitzpatrick. Listen in. What we're all about is bringing a toolkit to advisors who really want to work in and advise in that high net wealth successful family space. And what's the reason for that? Well, the why is that commoditization is occurring across the professions in accounting, legal and wealth advisory. There's pressure on fees, there's pressure on values, there's technology. And so with a conscious decision, it makes a lot of sense to work where value can be brought easily. And that's into that high net wealth space where they're time poor, there's complexity of issues. I'm very excited to have Brian Fitzpatrick with me. Brian, no relation, uh, was my PE teacher at school, did introduce me to my wife, so I felt like I had to have you on the podcast. But all jokes aside, Brian and I have been working together for 20 years across the professions, and Brian's expertise is in people management, relationship skills, emotional intelligence. So Brian, what we're going to talk about is the what's the skill set required to sit on that family board and bring those relationship skills. Thanks, Scott. I'm really excited to be here as well today, um, understanding that you and I have known each other for 45 years, and it's, a, um, I think, a testament to, to our friendship that we've been able to transcend teacher-student to be working together as uh, colleagues. And I think... Um, one of the things that I really love about the things that we do is this sense of um, collaboration where we bring uh, experts that, that are outside of our domain of knowledge. And I think that's um, critical if we want to look after um, our clients in the best way. Uh, there's a statement that says genius is putting two ideas together that shouldn't be together. And um, I think that's kind of what we're trying to do in here is, is this idea that we we bring together emotional intelligence. Now, most times people say, take the emotion out of business. Um, but emotional, emotion is part of our everyday framework. And so being able to create, um, as a, an advisor, a best of breed team around you that have a skill set that's different to yours uh, is critical. And that's what excites me about the work that um, you and I do together. Um, given that when um, we learn that domain of knowledge, we learn a whole lot of technical skills. And so if I'm an accountant, I will learn all of the skills that relate to accounting and if I'm law and, and so on. But it's the non-technical skills that people say distinguish the best performers. And the non-technical skills are much more around relational skills. Uh, it's, this is like what they didn't teach you at uni. Absolutely what they didn't, yeah. And I think sometimes, you know, we, we tend to think that uh, it's unimportant or some people just have it and some don't. But I think that if we could learn that one plus one is two and we, move, we could move on to algebra and algorithms and all those other more advanced mathematical uh, concepts from a, from a basis of one plus one is two, then we can learn much, much more about relational skills through structured learning. Um, and when we can do that, um, I think it, it enriches the experience that our clients have when they're working with us. Um, I read um, a statistic a little while ago that said um, 
87% of people leave their advisor because of the quality of the relationship, not because of the technical work that they get done for them. So relationship is really important, Scott. Uh, and in that, I would say that, you know, advisors learning how to build deeper relationships, how to improve their communication, um, looking at emotional intelligence as an asset to their skill set, um, working on leadership to lead their team and to lead their clients through the journey, um, creating a great team, um, you know, and all business owners have a, a crisis of confidence at some point. So how do I um, get myself back on the track when I've had some um, perhaps um, negative feedback or so on? How do I work with my own fears? Um, and I think, you know, one of the things that my specialty is, and I think I'm pretty good at, is helping people work out what they need to do in their life to move forward. Now that happens with business owners, but it also happens with the clients of the business. And also I'm pretty good at helping groups of people work together. Um, so it's an eclectic skill set, Brian. Absolutely, yes. It, it comes from 50 years of uh, teaching in high schools and coaching uh, in business and coaching in sport. Um, and I've always had that, that real interest in not so much the technical part of things, but how people work. Um, I have a friend, Ruby, who is a, a mechanic. And one day he said to me, Brian, how do you do what you do? How do you work with people all the time? He said, when I get under a car and undo that bolt, the same thing happens every time I undo that bolt. He said, when a customer comes in to me, I never know whether they're going to like me today or not like me. I don't know how to work with that. And for me, that's the beautiful part of working with people is that um, unpredictability and that humanity that comes um, from people um, when they're in, you know, the, the state that they're in when they, they come to see you. Yeah. So, so that's really interesting because, I, you know, I call this family board style of advice and most of us have come from this technical background, technical training. And so what we're trying to do is bring your wisdom to the table here and impart that and then help them develop it, help them practice it. Sure. Help them bring it to their game. Yes. And that's the thing. It's not about throwing away their technical skills at all. It's about adding um, some new skills. And, and as I call them, the relational skills. Some people call them soft skills, um, but they actually aren't soft. They're quite difficult to do. And um, I think that's a, a really important one. Now, if I'm sitting on a family board, then one of the key ingredients to that relationship working is trust. That the client needs to trust me to run their family affairs and so on. And trust is such a hard thing to do. Now, there are people who just innately trust, and there are people that need to see a body of evidence before they'll trust you. But trust can be withdrawn um, in any moment, in any second, and sometimes trust can be withdrawn just on rumour and innuendo. There doesn't even have to be any truth to it. So we work on, on developing this sense of trust and understanding in businesses, uh, professional businesses, where we rely on uh, referrals, then you know a referral is a transfer of trust. So if somebody trusts me, they're likely to send somebody that they know to me to be looked after. And when we talk about trust, we talk about this, this concept of the trust equation. And it's if you think about it mathematically, trust equals credibility. Do you know what you're talking about? Now, most people walk in, they don't ask to see your university degree. They just assume that if you've got a shingle on the wall that says financial advisor, accountant or lawyer, that you're qualified. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a really important point. How do you show your credibility to your clients? The next piece is reliability. 
and reliability is such a critical part of trust. So if I say I'm going to do something and I don't deliver on that, then my guess is that the trust will be diminished. And then the third piece is intimacy. And that doesn't mean about sharing every little detail of your life and every, everything that goes on, but it is about being able to go deeper with your clients and finding out what really matters to them. Um, so the key ingredients to trust are credibility plus reliability plus intimacy. However, there's one dividing factor, and that is self-interest. People will not trust me if my self-interest is too high. So consequently, when I work with clients, I've got to make sure that my intent is not to make money out of this client. It's not to um, screw them for everything they have. My intent is to help them the best way I can possibly do that. And that creates that balanced sense of self-interest. Yes, I want to get paid, and I want to get paid at... Um, you know, at um, professional rates. However, I don't want to um, overcharge and under-deliver. And conversely, self-interest at zero doesn't help the equation either. Well, no. So credibility plus reliability plus intimacy divided by self-interest. Just, I, I get the credibility, the reliability piece. Okay, so reliability is about setting expectations. Once the expectations are set, um, then we can work towards those. So for instance, where professional firms um, fall down, number one is uh, timeliness. If they don't deliver on time, if I say I'll have that document ready for you on Tuesday and you don't deliver that, trust has been diminished. If there isn't a sense of repeatable excellence in your work, if you're a bit um, shoddy or haphazard about the way you deliver your work, then again, trust is, is diminished. Great, I, that hit home with me with repeatable excellence. Yeah, it's a great it's a great concept, and I think it's um, so important. You know that that our um, our reputation is based on what we we do, not what we say we're going to do. And so, if I want to have a, a reputation, it's about showing up. It's about checking in with how am I going today? If I if I've had a fight with my wife, if I've been caught in traffic, if um, if my football team lost and I want to blame the, the referee or whatever that is, and I get to that meeting and I'm carrying all that baggage with me, then I'm probably going to find it difficult to show up for the person. So I'll be out of intent for the first thing. And um, I think you know our reputation can get damaged because people only judge us on what they see and what we do, not on what we say. Now, Brian, just as an aside, I know you work with the Kookaburras, the men's hockey team ranked number one in the world at the moment and you've had to do a lot of work with them over the, the last few years but is that a concept of repeatable excellence that you've drilled a into this team absolutely high performance high performance is is a, around a number of things for instance you know when i look at high performance consistency that's the thing that's that's important everybody can play a great game once a season but the best players and the best teams are able to reproduce that and so that takes effort. And, um, you know, when I've used the word intent before, but I'll talk about intentional effort. So we need to make some intentional effort to do things. Um, you know, I'm working, working with the Kookaburras at the moment uh, around high performance. And one of the things that we, we do is we make high performance a lifestyle choice. And that means that, um, you know, I can't be mediocre in a high performance world and be successful. And in our businesses, mediocrity isn't going to lead you to the types of clients that you mentioned in your preamble. Thanks for that, Brian. Um, 
What, what I'm interested in is, <clears throat> I know you have a whole bunch of frameworks and the trust equation is a great one, but I, I know there's one that you like to talk about, which is the PIES model. Mm -hmm. Do you want to run us through that? Sure. When um, the PIES model is about um, depth in, in a conversation and in a professional conversation, but also in a personal conversation, if that's what you wanted. But the, it's, it's an acronym, uh, P-I-E-S, and the first one is political. So what happens when a client walks into your office? Generally what we do is we shake hands, and the political conversation we often have is about the weather, or it could be about um, your footy team, or it could be about um, your trip away or whatever. But the political conversation is there to lessen the distance be between us and build some rapport. Now, I'm really um, conscious of working with um, my clients on not leaving it at that, that rapport is not trust. I think rapport is like lighting a fire with paper and trust is about lighting a fire that's going to leave some, some warming embers <clears throat> for a very long time. So the first one is political and that's important. That's how we break the ice. The second one then is the intellectual, and that is that we pull out the numbers and the spreadsheets and the documentation and all those sorts of things, and we, we show how much intellectual knowledge we have about the, the thing, and here's the solution to that. Now, that's fine. It's really important. But I draw a line under the political and the intellectual, and I say, how many professionals can go below the line into the world of the ENS? Now, the E is emotional. Uh, there's a phrase that I use all the time that says, logic makes me think, but emotions make me act. So if I'm do working on a plan with, um, with um, one of my clients and they're upset about something or they're disappointed in the work that I'm doing or they're angry about something, they will respond differently than if they're at peace with that. And so we're using that information that's gleaned from the, um, the feelings to help work out whether this is working for them and whether it's the right thing. So, as I said, logic makes me think, emotions make me act. Now, my emotions um, drive my behaviour a lot. Um, I've seen that in action. You have, mostly happiness. <laughs> and, but also, they drive the, um, you know, the, the, the client's uh, behaviour as well. And then the last one is spiritual. Now, spiritual, um, you know... It's not religious as such. It doesn't exclude religion. But the spirituality piece is really what tickles your spirit. What makes a great life for you? Um, what, what adds meaning? Is the work that we're going to do help you live the life that you want to live? Um, so that's a really, really important piece. Um, and I guess it brings us to a framework called um, content context. So if I take an example of myself and my wife um, working with a financial advisor... The content of what they do is the stuff or experiences that they bring to the relationship, and that is estate planning, asset protection, insurance, investment, cash flow, and strategy. all of those things, yep. strategy, all of those things that's a part of their professional domain. But what gives that meaning is the content, and for us, our advisors know that we have four major contexts which give meaning to all of that content, and the contexts for us are freedom, lifestyle, family, and security. Now, a lot of times what we do as professionals, we get arrogant and we think that we know what's the best for mm, people. Absolutely. But if they can elicit from me, those are the concepts. So any time that we're working on a plan, they'll come back and go, is that impinging upon your freedom or, or do you feel more liberated by that piece of work that we've just done? 
is that going to allow you to live the lifestyle? Will you be able to spend time with the people that you love, your family? And does it still feel as though you've got a future and you're secure in that? So content, context. So if we've got the context right, we're more likely to follow through with the plan. Absolutely, yep. We're emotionally engaged. I've got to buy in that now. Yep. Yeah, I've got an emotion and it's it's and it's it's got a meaning for me. And generally speaking, you would say a lot of the professionals are, are caught in the content, delivering stuff without concern for the context. Yeah, and which means they miss a lot of the puzzle. Sure, and not not out of um, bad in, intention so much. Is that there's there's a, a a lack of skill in how to get to that below the line into the world of the emotional and and uh, the spiritual. Now, I assume you're going to teach us these frameworks over the next few podcasts. I'd love to do that. Um, I'm a born teacher and I love teaching. And, um, you know, I, I have no greater joy than um, when I look at somebody that I've been working with and I see the light go on, that they get it. And so, for me, that's, um, that's one of the great paybacks. Now, you know, Brian, you've been, we've been working together for a long while. And I, I, I remember way back I read this book called The CEO and the Monk. <laughs> yeah, and I said, "Well, I don't know any monks, but I know Brian, and I got you to come and join our, our organisation because we're we're in a, a people business. We didn't want to deal with thousands of people. We wanted a small business or small businesses that dealt with small numbers of clients in high relation. I'm not sure whether you can remember back that far. I do, I do, and I was um, quite nervous about um, taking on the the name of monk because um you know i don't think there's a great deal of sanctity in me (laughs) and really though it's about bringing spirituality to everyday life it's about bringing bringing um you know a sense of great meaning to to the work that we do you know there's a saying that says work doesn't make you tired yeah meaningless work makes you tired and so if if i find business owners that that are trapped on the um you know the 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 wheel running like a running like a little mouse. You know, not getting off. Um, you know, it's a really really important thing I think to to help them do that. And sometimes you need people around you that can help you, even though it might seem simple and it might seem easy. Um, you know, we get caught up in our in our um, limiting self beliefs and and poor habits, and so sometimes we need to have somebody shine the light on um, some of our blind spots. Right, because you know, when I when I sit back and go, what are we trying to achieve here? We're trying to enhance advisors' skill sets, uh, and great advisors means great client outcomes, and that's great for the community. Absolutely. And I think that's really yeah. important. And just to reiterate, you know what? You know, when we look at the research of what clients are looking for, they want clients. Clients are looking for an advisor who can help them construct a lifetime plan, not a financial plan, a lifetime plan. They want advisors who can understand their strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threats. They want advisors independent of bureaucracy. They want fee for service. And they want advisors to know how to think about their issues, all of them. Now that's pretty broad skill set, isn't it? It is a broad skill set and I guess what it would what we would be called a, a specialist generalist. Yes. In that, that I have a um, a wide range of uh, skills and knowledge about a lot of things. There are other professionals who have greater depth in that. Uh, and so I think that's, that's a critical thing to remember, that you're across a lot of the things, but you're not in every part of their, their, their life and their plan. And being able to get other professionals and um, support people to be able to help people through that 
is critical. And what I, you know, when I look at this, I go great from that Pies model: political, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual. Across the board, we all need some work in the E and the S. We're all technically competent, but we need further work if we are to be a great advisor in this particular space. I think that's that's absolutely true. Um, and so, you know, with um, with a lot of advisors, I think what they do is they go, well, what if I open up Pandora's box? What if what if some emotion comes out that I can't handle? And so, just as you, as I said before, you could learn. Um, algebra and algorithms and all those things, but started at one plus one is two, then we can start at simple lessons in emotional intelligence and develop the complexity of those. We, we do work from a place of simplicity to complexity. Oh, I'm so excited, Brian. <laughs> well, that's an emotion, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> and throughout the series, I may call you Brian, I might call you Fitzy, or I might call you Flapper. For those listeners, he has a very large set of ears. But let's Finish this off with, I'd like to finish with, Brian, what's, a, what's one good daily habit that you have or you've seen in great advisors? Yep. Look, if I go back to my early days of coaching in business and I listened to a sales presentation um, by somebody who was uh, for almost 10 years the, the, the national leader in sales. And this, this fellow said, every week when I plan my week, I make two appointments that I always keep. And they are appointments with myself, where I go and I take away all distraction, I put my phone away, I get away from anybody being able to contact me, and I sit down and I say to myself, what do I need to think about? And so for me, I think that idea of um, creating some space and some uh, solitude so you can actually check in with yourself rather than um, be worried about looking after everybody else all the time. Finding some headspace for yourself. Absolutely that. Time yep. for yourself. Because yep. quite often, as busy people, you end up putting yourself last. That's it. That's it. And so this, this um, guy that I listened to, he was very, very good at keeping appointments. So he just made sure he kept an appointment with himself. Yeah. He never let himself down. Scheduled himself in. Yes. To his ideal week, which is one of the concepts we will talk about. Sure. And I think that, that allows, um, you know, if, you, if we're looking at, um, let's just say, a footballer, Lionel Messi, he's a great player. But if we can deny him time and space, then he becomes an ordinary footballer. Now, he's very, very good at finding that. But all people, when they don't have time to think and space in which to work, then they make lesser decisions or panic decisions. Yeah. So decreasing the uh, pressure on ourselves by creating some time and space so that I can actually think about what I need to think about and what's going on for me is critical. That would be my life lesson. Yeah. Mm, great, fantastic. Because of, often you hear people they say, how are you going? You go, busy. That's the last thing I want to be. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly that. You know, um, too busy, too busy to, to look after yourself. Uh, so I think that's you know, such an important part. Um, you can't show up for your clients when you when you're exhausted. You can't show up when you know. And what happens, I think, too, Scott, is an emotion called resentment kicks in, and we start to resent our clients. They're taking me away from what I want, from my family, from my needs, and so we've got to make sure that um, we get that balance right. Thanks, Brian, for that. And, and lastly, what was that? You know, that was the daily habit. Is there one life lesson that you look back and and go, hmm? That was an important one. If I had more time again, if I well, there's a lot of those in a in a 68 year old man's life. But um, 
I think for me, the life lesson that I've learned, Scott, is to um, actually ask for help. A lot of times what happens is that we sit there and we're thinking, well, if I'm vulnerable, I'm weak. And I think asking for help is such an important thing. What would happen if no one ever wanted my help? I'd have no way of experiencing myself in the world. I'd have done this. You would have denied the opportunity to help. To feel good, yeah. 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 So, so asking for help. And the more I ask for help, um, the more I engage people in my life. Um, and, you know, the, what happens is, is that um, when I ask for help, other people feel good about themselves as well. So that would be mine, I think. And it's taken me a while to learn that. <laughs> right, let's, let's see if we can take that on a little bit quicker than what you have. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of the GAF podcast. We're all about empowering advisors, giving them additional tools for their toolkit to give great advice. Great advice leads to great business frameworks, which leads to great results for the community.